These pretzels are making me thirsty. <laughs> Hey, what's up, everybody? You're listening to another episode of the Fat Fans Without Pants podcast. We're on episode number 34. My name is Tim. I'm going to be the host for this episode. And joining me back for a second episode is Rob. What's up, Rob? Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me back. Doing good, yeah. Glad to have you back. Otherwise, it would just be me talking to myself for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> that would be kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah, unfortunately, Dana Terrence couldn't make this one. Terrence is out of town and... Uh, Dane's having some internet trouble, which is preventing him from getting a good connection to be on Skype. So we're going to trek along without him, but it won't be the same, but we'll try to make do. Yes, yes, we will. Yes. But, um, yeah, before we get started, I know I just wanted to set this record straight, so, so it would make me feel better. Um, two episodes ago when we did our Man of Steel review, I gave the movie a 3.5 and saying that, you know, it was good, but maybe once I see it again, I'll enjoy it more and maybe I'll bump my score up. Well, since that episode, even our last one, I haven't seen it uh, twice, but in the last week I saw it two more times, and I officially love the movie now. It's probably up there as one of my favorite superhero movies, right under the Dark Knight trilogy, and then I don't know exactly where it ranks with some of my other favorites, because X2 I really like a lot, and then, of course, the original Superman, but it's pretty high up there. So I just after seeing it again, I thought it flowed better, and just some of the complaints that I had, before kind of went away, and now I just have just a few little small nitpicks about it that I wish were done a little differently, but nothing too drastic now. So if I had to score it again, I'd probably give it a 4.5. I absolutely know that now. So how do you get that out there? <laughs> <laughs> that's that's great. I, I end up seeing it twice in a uh, – uh, basically a one-day period. Saw it at, like, you know, 7 o'clock on the Walmart premiere, and then, you know, the following uh, night at uh, 7 o'clock and – or the nine o'clock showing, and uh, just the second time through, I thought things flowed much better. I think that the first initial couple times you see something like that, all everything's just going by so fast. You're just trying to take it all in, and uh, I thought on the second viewing, just the, the pieces just seemed to fit a little bit better. And I don't know if you saw this, um, but there was an interview with uh, Zack Snyder talking about that there was another Batman Easter egg that the visual effects team yeah. threw in there was the uh, be calm and call Batman sign. Did you happen to see that your third viewing at all, or did you find that out after um, that information was released? Yeah, I found that out after I saw it for the third time. Okay. I was like, oh, man, that's pretty cool. But they kind of said, like, it's really hard to spot where it's like one of those uh, frames you have to pause it in order to see it. So <laughs> yeah. I don't know if we'd be able to see it anyway in the theater. Yeah, I didn't know if your eyes were that good where you're like, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> My eyes are bad enough. <laughs> but, yeah, that's cool. That, yeah, I was like, I think that one's more sounds more like of a joke instead of like an Easter egg for like future DC Universe movies. Yeah. So, but it's it sounded like, cool. it's like the visual effects team were like, hey, look what we did. And Snyder was like, eh, okay, go ahead, leave yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but Batman is cool nonetheless. That's right. <laughs> and speaking of Batman, uh, for our future topic this week, um, we're going to be doing the 
topic of our favorite characters who were Batman other than Bruce Wayne. And when I was thinking of a topic to discuss for this episode, I was thinking to myself, eh, maybe we should do one about our favorite different Batman. But then I got, man, eh, there's only a few, so it won't make a good conversation. But then after thinking about it, there's been quite a few characters who were actually Batman. Of course, not in the same continuity, continuity, but in like Elseworlds stories, animated series, there have been quite a few different Batman characters. So I thought it'd be cool to kind of give our favorite ones that we thought worked the best. Of course, I don't think any of them are better than Bruce as Batman, but there have been some good ones. So yeah, what do you think, Rob? Who would you say is your favorite character who was Batman other than Bruce? Uh, right now, only because I've been listening to uh, the audio adaptation of Nightfall, but and seeing the images for Arkham Origins uh, Nightfall Batman, but I started to kind of like uh, Jean Paul Valley uh, just a little bit. I don't. I think I like the not so much the night Knights End costume where the costume got really kind of crazy, but the Arkham Origins uh, skin that the PS3 uh, people like myself are going to get. Um, I like. I, I think maybe I like the costume better than I like the guy that was in the costume. Yeah, I agree but, with that. But <laughs> uh, that costume, at first, when it first came out, I was like, oh, that's horrible, you know. Um, I totally skipped the whole night uh, questing and picked up, you know, the search stuff with Bruce Wayne, and I've since, you know, gone back and picked up all those issues. And I don't know if it's more of the suit, but um, I also picked up the uh, Dark Knight, I think it's Dark Knight, White Knight, um, Damien, and uh, Dick Grayson. Uh, issues and I like the flip uh, persona wise that instead of the dark and brooding Batman that you get the uh, playful Batman and the dark and brooding uh, Robin so I think costume wise I'm going to go with uh, Jean-Paul Valley as Batman but uh, persona wise I'll go with Dick Grayson and I hope I didn't take yours <laughs> no actually you didn't but <laughs> Speaking on uh, Jean-Paul Valley's Batman, I, I do like the suit, but he's probably like my least favorite who was Batman. But I will say this, for Knight's End, it did make for one of my favorite stories of Bruce working his way to come back and taking the mantle back as Batman in the fight that they had at the end. I thought it built up to a pretty great return that Bruce had to becoming Batman again. Yeah, I I think that's I think that's why I was leaning more towards that way. Cause I think I just finished up the audio adaptation. I bought it on two cassettes and I converted it to MP3s. And I'll, I have it on my phone every once in a while when I'm driving to work. I'll just you know listen to some of that stuff. But I recently finished it, and I that whole fight at the end, and even just in the comics, like you said, it just built up so well that when I was reading this question for this topic, I was like, I think I'm gonna go with a uh, John Paul Valley. I just there was just something about. I think it was the whole arcing story to go that really anchored uh, why I picked uh, uh, Bally as, you know, my extra Batman, I guess you would yeah. call it. <laughs> that definitely made for a good story, I thought. And how is the audio version of that, though? Is the, like, the voice actors and acting pretty good on it? It's it's pretty good. Um, uh, Val, Jean-Paul Bally sounds really good. The guy they have doing Bruce Wayne sounds uh, great. Uh, they have Michael, I'm going to get his name wrong, Michael Gaw, the Alfred from okay. all, the, all the original, you know, Batman movies is Alfred, so that's really cool. Uh, the voice for Tim Drake sounds a little cheesy, um, and uh, the guy that's doing the nice, the voice of Nightwing is, it's a little too deep for him, it almost sounds like he could be a Batman, but uh -huh. there's a fantastic score, 
and uh, really good sound effects, and I've actually listened to it while reading the comics at the same time, and it's it kind of makes it pop out a little bit more. So uh, you can track it down. Uh, I think you can actually get it on iTunes or through Amazon. So it's it's worth a listen. Cool, yeah, because the only like audio version of a comic I read, I know I said this before, it was uh, until Legend of the Batman when I was a kid, the comics came with the audio cassette tapes. Yes, yeah. And I love those. And, uh, to me, like, of course, that was before uh, Kevin Conroy in the animated series. I just thought the voice acting for Batman and most of the characters on there were really good. And yeah. listening to it not too long ago, it still holds up. I mean, of course, it's no animated series, but I don't know if it's more nostalgia or if it's actually good, but I still like it. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me of uh, one of the actually first Batman, I would call it a comic. It was a Fisher-Price, like a book on tape, kind of like what you're talking about. And it was uh, Batman and Robin in the case of the Laughing Sphinx. And it was basically the origin story for Dick Grayson. And then his first uh, case is fighting all the four the four main villains you have uh, Joker, Riddler, Penguin, and Catwoman all in this you know type of radio drama and Batman kind of talks like this. Let's get to the Batcave, chum, and it just <laughs> <laughs> I just remember listening to that tape over and over and over as a kid. That was the my very first exposure to Batman as a kid, and that's just what sucked me right in. So. Um, I'm kind of with you. I don't know if it's nostalgia, but I still listen to it and go, yeah. man, that's great. Or somebody else could listen to it and go, man, that's cheesy. So Yeah, that's kind of what I think if anyone hears Until <laughs> Legend of the Batman for the first time. <laughs> but um, for me, uh, my pick is going to be uh, Batman Beyond. I mean, before I get into that, I will say this. I think if there's any other person who has the right to be Batman other than Bruce, it is Dick Grayson. I agree with what you said as far as the whole uh, – Grant Morrison's run on Batman and Robin with Dick and Damien. That stuff was great. But um, in the Batman Beyond universe, since pretty much everyone's old and they need a young Batman, I really like the story they did there with Terry McGinnis as the new Batman. First of all, the suit is awesome. I mean, that still continues to be one of my favorite Bat suits to this day. I always get excited when, like, for Batman, Arkham City, and uh, Injustice Gods Among Us, they put that as a character skin. I'm like, mm-hmm. that's the first suit I gotta unlock or get. <laughs> that's the one I always use. <laughs> but from the story standpoint, uh, when it first came on, um, I guess like the first three episodes, it kind of took a while to get used to that this kind of uh, arrogant, snotty kid is being uh, Batman. But as the episodes got on and he starts getting trained as Bruce, it's, it really worked. And then the thing that I like most about it is that how different of a Batman he is than Bruce was and how that plays differently to the way he deals with villains. I think one of my favorite moments, too, that's a perfect example of this, is in uh, Return of the Joker, the movie, where at the very end, he's do, he's fighting Joker, and Bat, Bruce is giving him some advice. He's like, Joker likes to talk, but ignore just push through and keep fighting. And Terry's all, no, wait, I like to talk, too. Then instead of the Joker messing with his head, Terry messes with the Joker's head, and that gets them all frantic and just nervously fighting him, and he's able to beat him because of that. I thought that was a great way to u- utilize the different aspect of his character than how Bruce would. And yet, it was still able to get the job done. So, as the episodes and the series went on, Terry became, started started to grow on me as a good fit to be Batman. And then after the end of the series wrapped up, and then they had that Justice League episode epilogue that kind of revealed the origin of uh, Terry and that he was revealed to be Bruce's son. I thought that actually, when you say it like that, you kind of roll your eyes, oh, that's too coincidental and that's kind of a cop-out, but it actually works really well with the overall story. I mean, once you see the episode, it makes perfect sense in how it all happened and worked out. So 
overall, I just love the whole Batman Beyond universe, the new villains they created, characters they had in there. Also, too, was how it's continuing on in the comics now. They're just doing a great job of continuing that story and those characters in that universe. So that's definitely up there as one of my favorites as different Batman other than Bruce. Some that didn't start off that you think would work too well, but it ended up being one of the best, in my opinion. Now, I have the same reaction to your pick as you had to mine. That is my least favorite. Ah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I'm not, not uh, doing that just to get back at you. I, when Batman, this is probably going to get me off every single Batman podcast when I, uh, after saying this. So this Uh-oh. could be my very last podcast. Looks like I will do in the remainder of the episode. <laughs> yeah, <myself. laughs> all by yourself. Uh, Batman Beyond is my least favorite uh, version of Batman. Um, I made it through, I think, one episode, and I was just like, I don't want to sit through a Batman animated TV series where Bruce Wayne is not Batman. And it's like, well, even though he was there, and I I just, for whatever reason, couldn't get past, and I kind of had, like, a Back to the Future 2 experience. When you first see Back to the Future 2, it looks really good, but then you realize that's not how it's going to look like in you know, 2013, you know, like, oh, I wonder if that's how the future is going to look yeah. like. So as crazy as uh, Batman Beyond looked, I thought it, it just never, it, it never hit with me or resonated with me. And then, uh, I, I did see, uh, the, uh, return of the Joker in its entirety. And I was like, kind of like, Oh, it, it was good. I think I would took more poignant to what they were doing with the Tim Drake Robin character. I think that really kind of bothered me. So I don't know if that was, you know, coming out more as a Robin fan. I'm like, Oh, they played Robin like that. And I, and I totally get, uh, the emotion to it and, uh, it respected it for that. And not, not that I hate it, but it just kind of my least favorite faction of it. But I will say, uh, you know, playing Arkham City or Injustice Gods Among Us, you know, having that skin, the suit just looks really, really cool. So th- there's parts of it that I like and there's other parts of it that I that I don't. So I, I guess I'm just going to have to sign off and you're going to have to finish this one by yourself. <laughs> yep, it was good talking to you, Rob. And yep. Sad to say, yeah, this is your last podcast and I wish you the best. <laughs> okay, well, thanks a lot. I'm going to start a My Little Pony podcast, I guess. <laughs> Wait, can I be on that one? <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> No, but I know I've heard similar complaints, like, for the series when it first aired. I mean, when it first came on, uh, my older brother is also a big Batman fan. He's, I think, still to this day has a hard time accepting Terry as being the next Batman. Well, something I, with you said, I, I didn't actually, uh, I just bought the last season of Justice League Unlimited, so the epilogue, I think, is in that set somewhere. So I've never actually seen that all the way through. I think I've seen bits and pieces of it. With them saying that Terry is Bruce's son, if this would have come out a little bit later, would you have still been okay if it was, in fact, Damien instead of Terry? If they had realized, okay, we're going to call him Damien, or just instead of calling Damien Damien, they just would have had him been Terry, Um, I guess. No, because I kind of like how they did it, where at first, as you're watching the whole series, it's just some kid who stumbled upon meeting Bruce Wayne stumbled on the Batcave, and because of uh, what happened to his father and how he took the initiative to stop the guys who killed his father, Bruce took him under his wing and started training him. I did like that aspect that it wasn't like any relation to Bruce or anything like that. But then, like I said earlier, it, it does make perfect sense to me anyway, when you see epilogue, how it all plays out and how it, he did end up becoming Bruce's son in a way. I mean, it's not your <laughs> the typical way anyone would have yeah. a son, but <laughs> to me, it just, it just works how, uh, 
it's something that Amanda Waller planned and how she tried to have it where there's always a Batman there. She can't picture a world where there's no Batman. I just like that concept that they had for that, and I thought it just worked out great. But I will say this, uh, beginning the very first episode of Batman Beyond is one of my favorites where you actually see Bruce in that costume <laughs> and yeah. to see how it's supposed to be used with him in there. I mean, I would love to see more episodes where he's in the Batman Beyond suit. I think that would be awesome. I think that's something, now that that's on Netflix, I think I'm going to have to give the series as a whole just sit through over the course of, you know, a couple weekends and, you know, watch the whole series. Because uh, other than a few handful of episodes, probably only really two, and then the Joker movie, that's all I've really seen of it. So I think I'll have to do some extra Batman homework after this podcast is over. <laughs> yeah, I definitely recommend you check out the series because there's some really great episodes in there. Do you remember which cool. other ones you've seen besides the first episode? Uh, the first one, and then was there – a Mr. Freeze one? Yeah, that was one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah. Um, the best one, there's that Mr. Freeze one, and then in season three, there's an episode called Out of the Past, and I don't know if you want me to spoil anything, but... Oh, go ahead. It's one of the best ones where uh, the whole premise of it is Bruce, it's Bruce's birthday, and Terry takes him to a... Uh, I won't spoil that, because it's funny, but the premise of it is Bruce's birthday, he's concerned about getting old, and Talia comes back, who's the same age, and offers him to take a dip in the Lazarus pit. Oh, so <laughs> I won't say anything more, but that's the promise, pre- the premise of the episode, and it's I think my favorite episode of the series. Would it be rude to the listeners and the host of the podcast if I queue up Netflix and I watch it while we're doing the podcast? Because <laughs> <laughs> now you got me intrigued. Yeah. <laughs> I will say no, only because you need your full attention when watching that episode. <laughs> okay, awesome. sounds fair. Other than Batman Beyond, there's some other good ones that uh, I wanted to mention too. Just recently, the uh, Flashpoint. A miniseries uh, of Batman with uh, Thomas Wayne as Batman in that whole universe. I just love that whole story and version of how dark of a character that Batman is of Thomas Wayne. Oh, and yeah. Have you read that one? Yes, I have. Oh. Uh, and and even just seeing the few clips from the movie that's coming out and just it, the voice that they're using for that is the voice I heard as I was reading and I pictured it to be even darker than what Bruce was and you can really just hear that anger and loss in the uh, Thomas Wayne character. And I I really hadn't thought about the Flashpoint Batman, but that's that's a good one. Yeah, I mean, just the premise of it. I mean, that's something I never really thought of, where what if Bruce got killed and his parents were still alive? How would that affect them and traumatize them? And then oh, we yeah. see in that story that both Thomas Wayne and Martha had totally opposite <laughs> reactions to his murder. As yeah. We find out spoilers that Martha is the Joker, and then they just have a great sequence in that when Batman finally confronts her when she kidnaps those kids. I mean, it's just a kind of a creepy but really cool sequence too with Gordon sneaking in there. But this is what the way of him doing doing justice is a lot darker than what Batman does. I mean he actually kills people in that. But yeah, he's one of my favorites and if there is any where I'd like to see an ongoing story or a series about in the comics, I think He'd probably be one that's pretty high up on my list I want to see continue on, because I thought it was done great. Uh, another one for me would be uh, Damien from the 666 universe. Yeah. Um, I've, at first, I was res- kind of resistant to that. Like, what kind of story is Grant Morrison telling? But as that kind of went on, I thought, I really liked that. And that would be one if they brought uh, that out as an ongoing series. I think I would be... That I would definitely want to read is Damien's take. We've got just a few little tastes here and there what his Batman might be like, but it 
he's almost kind of like a cross between Bruce and Thomas Wayne. He's got that kind of split where he could be a little bit more compassionate, a little bit like Bruce can be, and then go totally off, you know, the deep end like Thomas Wayne. Did. Yeah. So I, I like that. I was going to mention this uh, later on in the show, but since we're talking about it, I might as well bring it up now. Oh. The recently <laughs> announced uh, Damien re- or Damien Son of Batman, Batman. series that's coming out. So, okay. yeah. Obviously, I'm sure it has you excited too, but the concept of it or the premise of it where we're going to see how Damien took on the mantle of Batman is going to be cool to see because that's one of the things after reading the 666 issue and then there was a few other issues in the recent Batman Incorporated and then – I think it was Batman 700 that had a story with Damien as Batman. Yeah. But we never saw why he took on the mantle or how he became Batman. So I think it's going to be really cool to see. And just seeing the, uh, I think just the one real image of uh, Batman, what appears like he's shot or dead on the ground, almost kind of like Thomas and Martha Wayne with uh, Robin Damien there on his hands and knees, you know, with his fists up in the air, looks like he's yelling up to the sky. Um, and then that's the only little shot you get. So I wonder in that series, if we're going to get to what happens to Bruce um, or if it kind of jumps right into why he ends up becoming Batman, which I know it kind of sounds like the same question or if there's going to deal with, okay, here's how Batman died or they're going to treat it like, okay, Batman is dead and now Damien has to step forward. So I'm, I'm really curious. I think it says it's like a four issue series, which has me a little disappointed. I wish it would be just a little bit longer. Um, that's yeah. going to be a lot of information to cram in for issues, and I hope it doesn't feel like it's crammed. But being it's one of Damien's co-creators, I think it's it's in the uh, best proper hands that it could be in. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, like you said, it is four issues. That's what I'm kind of wondering if the first issue is going to be the main origin, then the next three are going to be kind of him like in his first night out as Batman or something? Or are we going to get kind of his origin story spread out in the different issues as flashback, where we see what happens to Bruce, we see him take on the mantle of Batman in different segments of the story. So we'll yeah. find out. But the Joker might be involved in some way, because there's that other promo image that has Batman lying on the ground, and you see Damien with these two katanas, it looks like, and in one of them is a laughing fish. From the yeah. Joker, so I wonder how he's going to play into all this. I mean, it would make perfect sense for the Joker to be the one if, in this storyline that Batman gets killed, that Joker is the one to do him in. Yeah, of, of all the villains, I think if if one gets to off Bruce, that it, it definitely should be the Joker. Exactly. I would say either Joker or maybe Rachel Gould or the only two who could probably take who I'd like to see take down Batman, but Joker yeah. over Rachel just a bit. <laughs> yeah, just just a tad. Yeah. How about as far as any of the other Robins, like Tim or Jason, do you think, would you like to see any stories where they take on the mantle of Batman for a bit? I mean, we saw a little bit of it in the battle for the cow, but not too much. Do you think any of them have potentials to be a good Batman? I think Tim would, and I think that's where the old continuity was kind of was kind of going, um, that Bruce had said that Tim's uh, probably a much better detective than what he is, and... Uh, even some Teen Titan issues did like future stories where Superboy is the Superman of the universe and Tim yeah, is Batman. Right. Right. Um, so I think there was always that hint that, you know, Dick never really wanted it. He filled in once uh, for Bruce and, uh, you know, Jason's Batman would be totally crazy and absurd. But I think Dick 
or Dick, uh, Tim looked at it more as, you know, he sought out to be Robin, knew the importance of Robin, and more importantly, knew the importance of Batman. So I would have thought if Tim's next logical step would be, okay, if there's not a Batman, I have to fill these shoes. So I, I would have liked to have seen, you know, a universe where Tim is is Batman. That would be my next of the Robins or the Bat family, that if Dick is unable to do it, then I think it, it should be Tim. Yeah, I would agree with that. Part of me, I guess, earlier on, might have said Jason just to see what kind of Batman he would have been, even though we saw a little bit in Battle of, for the Cow and his suit was pretty cool, I'd have to say. <laughs> yeah. Um, we've kind of already seen that Batman, like we mentioned, with Thomas Wayne as a real dark Batman and, and Damien to a certain extent in those stories. So with Jason as a Batman, it'd probably be kind of the same as that, where it wouldn't really be anything too different. Well, and that's just, hearing you say all those names, aside from Dick, all of the other Batman have been, and Terry, um, have all been a more of a an evil or a real brutal Batman. You've had Jean-Paul Valley controlled by the system and, true, you know, yeah. had killed somebody. You have Jason that, you know, he's got a lineage for killing people. Um uh, Thomas uh, Wayne Batman, uh, he's not afraid to take those steps. So you really have a couple handful of people, and even Damien too, that uh, have a, you know, uh, what I want to say, the that know the right thing to do. There's, you know, I can beat the tar out of somebody, get the information out of them, but I'm not taking a life. And there are limits to being Batman and what you can do. So... It's kind of interesting when you start rattling off the names. I thought, wow, all those are really kind of bad Batman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Yeah, it's like, okay, we're a different Batman. It's our excuse to be even more darker now because it's not Bruce. Yeah. Uh, another thing, too, I was thinking of about like, future Batman and all that um, was the end of Dark Knight Rises where it's kind of left open where John Blake is going to – he's definitely going to take on the role as protector of – Gotham, but would it be as Batman or another hero? Of course, everyone's speculating, oh, maybe he's going to be Nightwing or something, but but that's something I know we talked about this a long time ago on our Dark Knight Rises podcast, but would that be a character you'd like to see explored more, like maybe in a future comic series or something like that to see what his role as Gotham's protector would be as Batman or someone else? I'd be interested in that a little bit, although it takes a a totally, not that all these aren't fictional characters, but a, a character that's made solely just for the purpose of one movie or one little nugget in a, a Batman universe that there's, you know, really no backstory. I always kind of looked at that, that maybe he, I know he's always referred to, not always, but he was referred to as Robin at the end of the film. Mm-hmm. And I guess I always assumed that he, when the uh, woman that was giving him the backpack says, oh, Robin, you should use that. I took that to be, that's the name you need to use in your crime fighting. So he will would more embrace the Robin aspect than Batman. But it'd be interesting to see, you know, what type of character, would he even be a Nightwing or Robin at all, or even Batman, just something completely different, just a protector of the city. So it my curiosity would, would be piqued, but I think after seeing it, I'd be like, okay, I saw it. Now let's get back to, you know, Batman. <laughs> uh, that's interesting you brought that up because I never really thought about that where the woman who hands in the back says, oh, you should use it, Robin. But that does make sense now that you said that. <laughs> but now that 
Bruce isn't there as Batman, it wouldn't really work. <laughs> I don't think. Yeah. Just Robin alone would strike fear into criminal. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. That name. But yeah, I would kind of like to see his story continue on a little bit, just to see kind of how he goes about patrolling as Batman or how he does his crime fighting. And even part of me wants to see maybe if Bruce would come back to train him a little bit to kind of show him how things were done or show him the ropes a little bit without actually suiting up and being Batman again, if he is going to stay retired. So a part of me would like to see his story continue out a little bit more, but I kind of, when it first last year, when I was seeing the movie, I kind of thought, Oh, I think this has the potential to come on like a digital comic series or something like that or spin off somewhere. But so far there's been no talk about it. So, and you know, I have the feeling Nolan's one of those people who's kind of like, once I'm done with it, that's it. I don't like anyone to touch like my character creations and all that. So, I don't know if that'd be something anyone even would want to touch or expand on. Yeah, unless it had the Nolan seal of approval and he was exactly. helming it, you know, it it would be uh, probably a far cry from what he would have done. And I don't even imagine that he even thought past, and no disrespect, but no, no idea past that, you know, would leave it up to the audience to totally guess whatever John Blake could possibly be, so... That's, yeah. a, that's an interesting thought. I hadn't really thought about that before. Yeah, he's definitely like that. Even like with the deception, he's always like, or uh, other movies that he does where he likes endings where the audience makes up their own endings for it, not him. Which is a cool way, but at the same time, it's like, uh, <laughs> yeah. someone like, oh, I want to know the definitive ending or the definitive <laughs> version of this story. <laughs> okay, I have it in my head, but how do you end it? Yeah. <laughs> What's the real way? <laughs> right. Not to get off on a tangent, but I'm going to do that since we're talking about The Dark Knight. I'm trying to look through uh, show notes. Uh, seeing the September release, I think, of uh, the Ultimate Dark Knight Rises uh, trilogy box set DVD, uh, is there anything that you're hoping is going to be in there that you're like, oh, I, if I buy this, if there's just one single thing in this, what would you hope that it is? Or if this is a conversation you want to have later, just, you know, let me know. It's a perfect segue, I think. (laughs) We're talking about, no, let's get into the Ultimate Collector's Edition. I mean, before, I think it was the last episode, the images came out where we saw, like, what the box that was going to look like. Mm -hmm. But um, it did look definitely cool, but I was still wondering, well, what's going to be these special features? And then when it was finally announced, I have to say I am a bit disappointed, mainly because I was really hoping for a commentary track and all these movies. Yeah. I, I wasn't expecting deleted scenes, but only though that would have been cool, I wasn't expecting it. But I heard rumblings, kind of rumors that maybe commentary was going to be on there, but there's nothing. And looking at the special features, here's what it is. I'll just read it off. Uh, it's going to be a six-disc set, of course, with Batman Begins, The Dark Knight, The Dark Knight Rises, and then a special feature disc for... Dark Knight Rises and Dark Knight, but none for Batman Begins. Like, all the special features for that movie, which are already on the Blu-ray, are going to be on that same disc. Mm -hmm. Then the sixth disc is going to be just a brand new bonus uh, disc of new features. And while they do sound cool, I don't know if it's really enough to warrant the ultimate collector's edition name on there. Because one of them is The Fire Rises, the creation and impact of the Dark Knight trilogy. And it says we kind of get a behind-the-scenes look at the creation of one of the most celebrated franchises and how it changed the scope of movie making. And there's never-before-seen footage, which has been intrigued, rare moments, and interviews with uh, other directors like Guillermo del Toro, David Lindolf, uh, Michael Mann, Richard, Ro- Richard Roper, and Zack Snyder. So that sounds cool. Hopefully it's a cool documentary that uh, focuses on all the movies one by one and kind of 
how each one came about, and I'm really interested to see what these behind-the-scenes footages are, because one of the guys with the Dark Knight Blu-ray, there's hardly any really good special features on there, behind-the-scenes stuff. So I'm hoping there's more Dark Knight stuff on that feature. Then the other one is Christopher Nolan and Richard Donner conversation, which I think would be pretty cool to see. Not sure how long it's going to be, but to see the two of them talk, one about Superman and one doing uh, Batman, should be pretty cool to see. Yeah. Uh, reading, uh, when I read that, I was, <laughs> it almost sounded like he was a little disappointed at what wasn't there. You know, a commentary yeah. track, I think, would have been great, even if it wasn't a Christopher Nolan commentary track, if it was, you know, his brother uh, doing commentary or, you know, something, somebody else kind of giving a little little bit of insight to what was going on. Um, and I, I just have the fear of the six disc only being 45 minutes long, <laughs> you know, oh, or something. I hope not. I'm hoping that... Uh Fire Rises documentary is 45 minutes long. <laughs> yeah. Old, old disc. Yeah. It's like I bought the uh, special edition, I think it was Walmart or Best Buy of The Amazing Spider-Man, and the bonus disc is a 20-minute DVD. And I was like, really? I spent all this extra money for <laughs> for 20 minutes? It's like, I could have watched that on YouTube. <laughs> I know. It also comes with these three toys of the Bat, bat Paw, the Bat, and the Tumblr. I mean, they're cool, but uh, I'd rather have more special features than that than those yeah. uh, toys. And what's also I'm hearing disappointment from other people, not necessarily from me, because I'm not really, I guess, a video tech guy or whatever who notices this stuff, but a lot of people had complaints about the Batman Begins and Dark Knight video transfer for the Blu-rays, and there were kind of, a lot of people were hoping that with this Ultimate Edition, they would do a remastered version of it, a new transfer to Blu-ray, and it's just going to be the exact same uh, transfer that we got from the previous Blu-ray releases. So a lot yeah. of people are disappointed with that. I mean, I kind of, even though I really didn't notice it too much on the original releases, if there was a problem, it would have been nice for them to kind of go back and fix that. Because I've heard some examples where other box sets they did, like the Ultimate Superman collection and the Matrix, the Warner Brothers did go back and kind of redo the older movies and new transfers from. So it is disappointing that they're not giving this trilogy probably for them, their biggest financial uh, success, successful trilogy they ever released, and it's not getting the same treatment as these other movies are, which is disappointing. Yeah, that's that's really surprising. Like you said, it's their biggest cash cow, and I would have fully expected this thing to be just loaded to the, you know, gills with, you know, bonus features, and I was a little disappointed, too, that it's not getting a proper uh, Blu-ray transfer. Um, and I've seen the Superman uh you know, collection, and I have a, an old copy of uh, the original Superman. And seeing them, you know, both side by side, I watch like the first, you know, ten minutes, and then put in the you know new, newest Blu-ray, and you can definitely tell that it is in super high <laughs> definition. The it, just the blue in the suit, I just noticed, just really almost bleeds, you know, in the <laughs> in the TV. It's just. It's a very bright blue, and not to the point where you're like, "Oh, they brightened that up too much." It's it's the blue Superman should be. And once you know you put put in the older version of the DVD in or Blu-ray, rather, you can definitely tell the two different versions of the Blu-ray. So it's a little disappointing to hear that they didn't treat Batman uh, of the Dark Knight uh, franchise the same way. But um, I guess in their infinite wisdom, they made the choice on however they made it. So. Yeah, and it's so funny 
to me that I still can't believe there's some people who can't tell the difference between DVD and a Blu-ray transfer. Like, really? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you have to be blind, I think, not to tell the difference. I mean, it's night and day, really. I mean, it's almost like going from VHS to DVD, the difference is so <laughs> big. It's like, wow. Yeah. But uh, regardless of it, was my experience with buying pretty much every uh, re-release of Star Wars, no matter what it is, I think I'm going to do the same thing for this. <laughs> I'm still planning on uh, getting it <laughs> just to uh, have because the box, it does look like a nice set. Yeah. I love the artwork for all the different, uh, they're not necessarily the covers, but they're just, I think, art card, like these special cards that come with it. They just look really cool, especially the Joker and Bane one. Kind of have it where it's like uh, Bane's mask forms and so forth. It's like Bane himself, how he always has his hands over his jacket. Yeah. I just love how that pose looks. And then the Joker yeah. with the fire coming out of his eyes. Uh, the Scarecrow, and I think, is my favorite out of the uh, bunch. Uh, the Scarecrow one just looks really creepy. <laughs> I yeah. like that. For, I like that for some reason. Yeah, because it looks like it's a straight jacket, isn't it? But yeah. it's kind of ripped up where it has eyes and the mouthpiece, like the Scarecrow's mask. Yeah. Yeah, it looks cool. Now, or you get, I think you get these collectible like art books and like uh, concept arts with it, too. So we're getting that with it. But I don't know. Is it something you plan on getting, Rob, or you're going to hold out for the ultimate, ultimate release? <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to hold out for the ultimate, ultimate, super ultimate edition. Okay. Uh, it'll it'll be something that I'll end up getting, but it won't be something that I'm going to go get it on release day um, or to be like, hey, honey, our anniversary is in September. That would be a nice anniversary present because I imagine I'll have a little bit higher price tag, so I'll probably sit on it just a little bit, see if the price comes down. It'll be something I'll end up getting and having to the a collection, but I think I'll just hold off um, unless I hear the you know bonus disc is you know just so great you got to go get it now, and if you don't get it now, it'll be gone uh once you know the price has dropped, it's only for a limited run. If it's something like that, I might change my mind. But if there's no change to the contents, I'll probably just hold out a little bit and wait. Yeah, I think there's going to be a few people who are going to be doing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've read some stuff online. It's like, yeah, it looks cool, but it's just not enough. I mean, the price tag on it's ninety nine, the, re- yeah. the standard retail price. So I'm sure it's going to be cheaper, like the day it comes out on certain stores and probably Amazon. But and without hearing um, like a Best Buy or Walmart, I'm kind of hoping like if you get it at Best Buy, there'll be an exclusive to Best Buy. Um, I don't know if it's if there won't be anything, but generally Best Buy will do something like that. You get a little figurine or maybe an exclusive extra bonus disc. So that would be interesting to see as we get closer to the date, if there are some extra little bonuses depending on where you get it. So that, that might tempt me a little bit, but but then again, it's the, you know, almost a hundred dollars. So Warner Brothers and DC ever get their act together and make more movies that there's characters. I love a box that kind of what Marvel did with their phase one release where they put all those movies into one big package. And it's like the briefcase of shield. Yes. Like that Tesseract uh, problem there in the case. I thought it would be cool to have something like that for a Justice League, but right now all that would be in that set is just Man of Steel. <laughs> the Dark Knight trilogy is not even in that continuity. So. Maybe technically Green Lantern. They're not Maybe, really yeah. saying not saying for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's probably one of my other complaints with Man of Steel is when I'm watching it, it's like, it feels so perfect with the Christian Bale Batman. I want to see that, but... They're going to be in separate continuity. <laughs> well, and even, uh, I'm probably going to get the actor's name wrong, but Stephen Armell, the uh, actor for the Arrow TV yeah. series, has expressed interest in, you know, like, hey, if you're going to put Green Arrow in the Justice League movie, I, I would do Green Arrow. I think he would work really well. I could see him working beside Superman. 
yeah, very very easily. Yeah, I could definitely see that. And I I just don't get the thinking sometimes these studios have where TV stuff has to be totally separate from the, the movies. Like you can't have the same character appear in both. I kind of like what Marvel's doing now with the Shield TV show. Well, that's going to be the same continuity as the movies, but it's going to focus on different characters. And maybe in Avengers 2 or something, you'll see those characters from the TV show in the movie or characters from the movie in the TV show. And, yeah, like you said, with Arrow, I could definitely see that working, too. I mean, but, how how great would that be to have Henry Cavill appear on an episode of Arrow? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you would get your movie audience watching your TV series and then the TV series watch, you know, going to a movie. So, I, yeah, I don't get that either, why they don't think, hey, we can link all these properties together and we'll get everybody watching everything Warner Brothers. <laughs> yeah. I remember when Superman Returns was in production and before Brandon Routh was cast, I was always thinking, oh, you just got Tom Welling to be uh, Superman. And then it was like, no, they're going to be two separate things. They don't want to confuse people or contradict anything that's going on in these different properties. So even back then, they were scared to kind of do, connect TV to movie. But yeah, hopefully they change their ways too because <laughs> it's getting pretty <laughs> stupid, I think. They can't even get yeah. a movie out there. But anyway, I, I ranted on about that. <laughs> <laughs> on many other podcasts if you want to hear <laughs> but that's about it for mainly the big news stuff that's happened over the past two weeks was the official announcement of the Ultimate Collector's Edition and the announcement of the new Damian Wayne series so I guess that can take us into our listener feedback or the conversation with Alex which is better known as now <laughs> <laughs> and so Alex says hey guys thanks for another great episode you got to get Rob on the podcast again. Well, Alex, your wish is our command. He's back. <laughs> Thank you, good sir. <laughs> um, going from our topic or the question he asked last week, um, I actually haven't liked the way Batman has been written in the New 52, so that's why I was curious on your favorite uh, depiction so far. He's just been written more emo and less honorable lately, than I ha- and I haven't been enjoying reading the character in Batman and Batman and Robin. Detective Comics' portrayal seems more like the Honorable Crusader of Justice, I know, but unfortunately the stories have been underwhelming. I thought Batman 22 was excellent, though, and and hope Snyder takes advantage of the zero year to flesh out Bruce's character, so we can add more depth to him. It made me like the last issue more, and I'd much rather have a story I grow to love, so I'll reread it over and over, rather than loving and then hating it in the end like Death of the Family. I was glad to see Alfred smack Bruce for the way he's been acting, but I think he needs another one in the current timeline. Actually, this whole week was a fantastic for comics. Hopefully the Trinity War will be a really memorable event. And I have to agree, Batman 22 was excellent, and that Alfred and Bruce moment was great, but we'll get to that in our comic review section. <laughs> but um, he goes on to his questions. Um, do you guys have a holy grail of Batman collectibles, and what is it? So do you have a holy grail collectible that you just have to get, Rob, <laughs> or would love to have? I just got it. Um, oh, nice. uh, probably about a month ago, uh, the Mattel uh, Walmart exclusive Batman and Robin uh, DC Universe Classics uh, Robin figure. Um, I remember seeing it on the store shelves. They had like price tag of thirty two dollars, and I kind of him haw about it. And my wife's like, "Oh, is that something you're going to get?" I'm like, "Well, you know, I, I don't know. It's thirty five dollars." And I I waited and waited, and then never saw it again. Checking eBay bids. Uh, the two-pack goes for like $130, $140, and I constantly kicked myself to like, why didn't I pick it up when it was, you know, 30 bucks? 
and uh, we got our taxes back, and it's something that I would constantly bid on. It's like, okay, it's around $30, or it's around $40. My wife's like, okay, but, you know, no higher than 50 and uh, I'm happy to say that I was able to get it for $62. So I didn't think it was all that bad considering that came out in 2006, and I know it's not like this super holy grail, but it was the uh, pack just – they just look so cool there together. So that's kind of one of those uh, pieces that I have on my uh, shelf right now that I have, you know, a little touch light. And I touch the touch light and it shines down into the box and I'm like, Oh, that's mine. <laughs> you know? So that, that is my Holy grail uh, at this particular moment. I'm sure I'll find something else later, but it's like, Oh, now I have to have that. But that has been something since 2006 that I've been trying to track down for a very, very long time. So that's mine. Cool. At least the story had a happy ending. Yes. <laughs> uh, for me, though, I can't necessarily say I have a really holy grail collectible. Unfortunately, I haven't been into collecting in a long time, um, so I really don't have that one particular item. But I guess if I had to choose one, it'd be the ultimate holy grail that will be impossible to get, uh, Detective Comics number 27. <laughs> that would oh, be man. awesome to have, just as for a, a Batman fan, not to sell it or anything, but just knowing I have the original first appearance of Batman. Just, it would be an awesome feeling to have. <laughs> we'll uh, go through garage sales and, you know, my wife will mark, like, oh, there's comic books here. And as I'm going through old comic books, I'm like, what if I see Detective Comics 27? <laughs> you know, w- would I play it cool and be like, okay, how much for this old comic, you know? Yeah. <laughs> or, or would I jump up and down and just run hysterically out of the yard sale? You'd and, have you to know, go... Uh, it was originally ten cents, and it's old. Can I get it for five? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If if you came across that, would you hold on to it, or would you try and sell it? Because I can't remember what the value was recently of somebody getting one somewhere, but I know it went to like Sotheby's auction house, and it just went through the roof. And it would be like, okay, I'm going to go get it scanned, so I have a scanned copy of it, and then I'm going to let it go. Or would you, you know, kind of hold on to it and put it in a sealed vault in your bank and just leave it there? <laughs> no, um, I would, I would not sell it for. I mean, it'd have to be a pretty drastic need for me to sell that comic. I would want to keep it for as long as possible. Um, like I said, just the fact that that's a Batman fan knowing I have this first appearance of Batman, the original. There's be something I never would want to give up. And I would just keep it in my home. I don't think I'd be too paranoid about it. As far as I'd be, I would have rather have it at home by knowing where it is than have it at a bank or anything and not knowing if something's happening to it or in a safe <laughs> or somewhere. So I would definitely keep it in, in house. But it was funny when you're talking about <laughs> going to like a garage sale and stack of old comics. You remember, I don't know if you, you watch The Simpsons? Yes. There's that episode about the swap beat. Homer's going to this box and he sees him, picks up action comics. I'm what he's all junk. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure there'd be someone who would do that with detective comics. <laughs> so, yeah, wow. I think you can't get more of a holy grail than that. <laughs> which yeah, never that happen. yeah, that would be the, that would be the one to get. And there's, you know, every couple Saturdays we'll go out garage sale and she's like, I found some of comics in it. I'm like, okay, Maybe not to 27, but maybe the first appearance of Robin or maybe the first appearance of the Joker, Batman number one, you know. Yeah, (laughs) but I would say if some miracle happens, I get 
uh, action comics and Batman or Detective Comics number 27, I would be more inclined to sell action than I would Detective just because it's Batman. <laughs> I'd rather have that. Yeah. Can I can I take the money for selling action comics to buy Batman 27? Yeah. <laughs> you might actually have some money left over because I think action comics is worth a bit more than Detective. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's a win-win situation. you got to find action comics. <laughs> Uh, but Alex's next question is, who is your favorite new 52 villain? And for me, I'm probably going to have to go with, uh, even though I love what Snyder did with Joker and Death of the Family, I think the Court of Owls was a great new creation for a, a Batman villain. Or not just villain, but like an organization, a group of villains. I mean, I think one of the hardest things to do in comics is to create a new villain for Batman and to make him memorable. I mean, the last few ones I think I, that I've really took off were probably Bane. And then Grant Morrison's uh, Professor Pig, as far as being real memorable, and he's going to be appearing in Beware the Batman, so maybe he will get more recognized as the show goes on or if he appears in more comics. But I just really love what Snyder did with The Court of Owls, and I would love to see them in either an animated movie or in a movie in general just with them, because I think they're just a great opponent for Batman to go against. And one of my favorite moments of the New 52 was, I think, Batman number six, where after they have Batman beaten down and they all these members of the Court of Owls are attacking them, and then Batman just snaps, and he starts, starts wailing on them and starts taking them out one by one. And there's that drawing where he even looks like he's going into a berserker rage, almost like Wolverine. He just almost looks like a creature. So, yeah, the Court of Owls I definitely have to go with. is my favorite New 52 villain. I'm the same way. I, You know, kind of having the opposite reaction in the Batgirl title, where it's like a villain of the month. You have, like, Grotesque and Nightfall and which I'm surprised I'm remembering those names, <laughs> which kind of defeats the purpose of saying that's not going to be a character you're going to remember. But it, uh, the Court of the Owls is just, like you said, there's something that's really hard about making not only uh, a villain that's memorable, but a villain that can go toe-to-toe with Batman, that Batman can go, oh, this is your weakness, and, you know, you, you were beaten as a child, and I, I know how to how to get at you. Uh, my favorite issue from the Court of Owls, I think, was number five, where you were turning the comic mm, yeah. left, right, upside down. And <laughs> for my wife looking at me, she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm, <laughs> I'm reading. She's like, it's upside down. I'm like, I know. <laughs> that That to me was... I felt totally comfortable with Scott Snyder. Like, he knows exactly what he's doing, and I bought totally into the Court of the Owls, and I, I was just hooked. I thought, this is going to be a villain that is going to, I think, stand the test. And not a villain, like you said, an organization that's going to stand the test of time, and it's going to be that thing in the back of his mind that they're always out there uh, looking for him. And I would love to see, you know, with the Flashpoint uh, DVD that's coming out, uh, I'm kind of wondering, are they hinting at maybe that they'll do some new 52 direct to, you know, DVD, Blu-ray type movies? If so, I would love to see, you know, a version of, you know, Court of the Owls done as, you know, the next Batman movie that would come out. I think that'd be great. Yeah, if they do try to do new 52 stories, that's got to be number one. (laughs) Yeah. I think the same thing. Even when I was reading the comics for the first time, I go, man, this would be an awesome animated movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that has to be number one, then that's the family number two. (laughs) 
Yeah. All right, and then his next question is, what comic book hero and villain has your favorite costume? So what do you think, Ralph, who has your favorite costumes? Uh, villain? Well, hero, I, I'm always going to go with Robin. Uh, I, is his question referring to the New 52? No, That's just right. in general. In general. Uh, I'm always going to go uh, with Robin. I'm a sucker for Robin. Um, I like Tim Drake's uh, costume. I think it was his first uh, red and green and black and yellow. It was a nice uh, updated addition to the costume. It made it a little more plausible for Robin to be out of the, you know, green little shorts and little uh, uh, booty pants or booty uh, shoes, <laughs> pixie shoes. And it, you kind of respected the Robin character a little bit. And he's got a, a black uh, cape with the yellow uh, lining. Um, and I was also a fan of Tim's uh, second costume, the uh, red and black uh, one year later outfit. I think I actually liked that one just a little bit more than his traditional uh, Robin costume, because he actually looked like it, in the color scheme of a Robin, of a bird. I thought it really uh, fit well. Um, and there's, I still have this uh, affinity for Mr. Freeze, his entire outfit, just some of the different varying uh, versions that we've seen through the animated series, uh, Arkham City, and uh, I'm really digging his look in the new 52 uh, quite a bit, so uh, my villain pick would be Mr. Freeze. Cool. No pun intended, but cool. <laughs> <laughs> I, I definitely agree on what you said about Robin, except for I think the, when they did the whole one year later thing with the red, it kind of took me a while to get used to it. Even in um, the animated series and the new Batman Adventures where Tim Drake was on that uh, series and then he had the red outfit, still didn't like it as much as the original green and red, but it kind of grew on me where I don't hate it, but it's not quite as good as the Tim Drake's original Robin costume from the comics. Yeah. But for me, uh, besides Batman, which I think is always going to be the coolest hero costume, I'd probably have to go with the uh, symbiote uh, Spider-Man costume, the all-black one. I just oh, love yeah. how that looks. I mean, I just wish that was his normal suit all the time. <laughs> I know for a while he did, but then he went back to his classic, and then back in 07 they had the back in black costume uh, miniseries thing just the time with the movie which was kind of stupid <laughs> they just yeah. used that as an excuse to get the black suit on there but I just love how the black Spider-Man costume is I was so disappointed in Spider-Man 3 when he got the symbiote on it was it just turned his regular costume black and it wasn't the classic symbiote suit I was like ah oh yeah I, I was hoping to see that big white spider yeah. on, on the front Once I remember he, reading The Secret Wars uh, comics when he first got that suit, and I thought that is a fantastic, fantastic look for Spider-Man. Yeah, what's even worse is that I saw a behind-the-scenes picture of Spider-Man 3 where he actually had that suit on, and for whatever reason, they didn't decide to go with it, but it would have been cool to see on screen, which, as bad as that movie is, just makes it even worse knowing that. <laughs> it could have yeah. been at least bearable to watch him in that costume. <laughs> that could have been the bright spot of the film. <laughs> yeah, I will say... They did a good job with Venom and how he looked. I mean, he looked pretty cool, like he did with the, in the comics. Except that yeah. whenever he talks, it was uh, Topher Grace's face and not <laughs> the symbiote. <laughs> but uh, for as far as villain, I think you have to go with Deathstroke. I mean, I always like villains where their whole they have a helmet or a mask on that covers their whole face, especially when it looks as cool as Deathstroke. And he's had a few different versions. I know looking at the <laughs> costumes for Injustice, he's had a few different ones, but. 
I guess the classic one is my favorite. It's kind of like the ninja mask and you know, like the bandana on there. So I probably have to go with Deathstroke as one of my favorite villain costumes. I like uh, Deathstroke as well, and I like his inclusion in the Arrow TV series. Yes. And uh, having that, you know, bright orange and blue, you know, really works uh, in that show. I thought, oh, they're probably going to do some weird variation. And uh, other than his basic outfit that's more military looking, but that mask uh, is definitely the character. So, yeah, that's that's a good one. Yeah, they definitely did an awesome job of adapting not only the costume, but then they had the twist later on where Slade Wilson's actually a different character. But even his character in the show is pretty cool, too. And for Alex's last question, this is a perfect one for you and me, Rob. I think you and me would be the only ones to answer this. <laughs> it's uh, being Seinfeld fans. Can you give your best, these pretzels are making me thirsty? <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. I just watched that episode uh, four or five days ago. Uh, these pretzels are making me thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll try to do it like how George did it in the episode. These pretzels are making me thirsty. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I love how they all have their different ways of saying it in that episode. They're all terrible. <laughs> it wasn't Jerry's more like a question? These pretzels are making me thirsty? Something like that. I was like, these pretzels are making me thirsty. <laughs> Craig was like, no, see, you don't know how to act. <laughs> yeah, I think that might be your best question yet, Alex. <laughs> that is that. awesome. Yeah. yeah, thanks for the email as always, Alex. And again, anyone else? Who wants to send us an email with any questions on any topic, obviously, if we're doing these pretzels are making me thirsty quotes, <laughs> just send an email over to batfans27 at gmail.com. And with that, I guess we can go ahead and go into our comic reviews. All right, so for this episode of comic reviews, we're going to be covering the weeks of July 3rd and July 10th. For July 3rd, we have Detective Comics number 22 and Batman Incorporated number 12. And July 10th, we have Batgirl number 22, Nightwing 22, and Batman number 22. So, to start off with uh, July 3rd, I guess we'll go ahead and go into uh, Batman Incorporated number 12. We'll start with that. What do you think of that one, Rob? Oh, actually, I forgot to mention, our rating scale for this episode is going to tie into two things that happen in two issues in this comic. So, our rating scale for this week is going to be times Bruce gets slapped or hit in the face. (laughs) (laughs) And also, to point out, these uh, discussions and reviews are going to be spoiler heavy. So, if you haven't read them, you might want to hold off on listening to it, and then once you read them, come back and hear our thoughts. So back to Batman Incorporated number 12. Rob, what did you think? I liked it, but it went very, very fast. At least yes. the, the, the read for me. I mean, it it's another one of those Grant Morrisons that not a lot happened, but a lot did, but just very fast. Um, beings that uh, this is the next to last issue, is that right? Yeah, mm-hmm that this it almost kind of seemed like a filler issue you have you know coming out of the previous issue 11 which really wasn't a batman incorporated issue at all to this one where um you know he's kind of taken this serum he's got his you know like robo bat type of suit on going after you know talia and everybody that it's you know the full-on confrontation of him having with I guess his quasi clone son was almost at a, at a breakneck speed, just trying to read it. And um, it's, it's really kind of even hard to, to talk about it. I enjoyed the issue, but it was one that I had to go through twice just to really kind of take it all in and kind of figure out. There's only really two beats that, you know, he has a confrontation 
with the the clone and then the ending with Talia. So I I liked it, but I, I was kind of hoping this thing was going to be really ramping up, and I felt like it the beginning of the issue kind of started that way, and then it stalled for the rest of the probably eight or nine pages, at least from my ending, or from my, my perspective. Yeah, I kind of know what you're saying about it. It did go by fast. I totally agree with that. But kind of like you said, I really enjoyed it just because it was great to see Batman finally take down this clone of Damien who killed the actual Damien. Just, I think it was played out as just a great action sequence that you would see in a finale of a movie, kind of, where Bruce is going out, all out on this guy, and he's finally kind of getting revenge for what he did to Damien. The only complaint I have about that whole sequence is I just don't like the idea that Batman is kind of like a little bit of a man-bat before he took a little of that serum, and that's why he kind of has a little this little edge over him in that suit. But I just wish he was in like a more advanced suit than having to take that uh, man-bat serum a bit in the previous issue, but I guess I could live with it. I'd really rather see it without it, but it was still a cool sequence that played out. I mean, where Batman orders his regular bats to attack the man bat soldiers was cool. And seeing Batman just in the fist fight that he had with the clone, just how he's outsmarting him and just using these different tricks against him. I love the fight sequence on the blimp that afterwards they crash <laughs> into that uh, school bus with young kids and they're just going at it, just yelling at each other and just going all out in this fight. I just love the comeback that Bruce has with all the uh, things he's saying to him. That's kind of messing with his head. Uh, the beat with uh, uh, Jason Todd, uh, Dick, and uh, Tim, uh, that kind of seemed a little anticlimactic. You know, that looks like Jason's being held, and it's like, yeah. hey, we're, we're all together. We're all on the same side. I was like, oh, okay. I, I guess that can work. I, I guess I wasn't expecting that. I... It was kind of a little subplot that was off to the side, so I, I'm kind of hoping we'll get maybe a little bit more with that in the final issue, but uh, a question I wanted to ask you, what did you think of the reveal, what was underneath the hood or the helmet of the clone, that it, it looked like a almost like a baby demon? Yeah, that kind of took me by surprise. I was like, wow, really? I mean, is it really like Young Kid and he just in this big suit, or... Is it a clone that was just altered so drastically that maybe he has a grown man's body, but his face is still a young kid? It was, was kind of creepy to see that, especially after what happens to him at the end with Talia, where she just decapitates him and you see his head roll off. Then there's it, that yeah. graphic <laughs> image on the page where you see it on the floor without an eyeball. It's like, you. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, that was when I kind of I flipped through a little quick, like, all right, that's... Uh, not a lot of stuff in comics has kind of like grossed me out, but that was one that I was like, that's a tad bit too much. But. Yeah, that's because it's, the face is so young, it just makes it yeah. worse. And the other thing, too, I'm still wondering who this uh, woman is at the end of the secret you're talking about with uh, Jason, Dick, and Tim, who's called, what is it? I think the hood calls her the headmistress of Spiral, and she seems to have a yeah. history with Batman and even Dick, too, because he recognizes her voice. So I'm curious to see what she's all about and how she's going to play into this. I'm sure it'll be some weird Grant Morrison thing that we never saw coming, but it was there all along if we just go back and read all the old issues. But uh, overall, I thought it was an enjoyable issue. I definitely loved reading it, mainly just for the action that was there in it. Then we're setting up the big confrontation, which is Talia and Bruce in the Batcave for the final fight. So um, definitely looking forward to see how it all wraps up. So I'm going to go ahead and give this one... Uh, Four out of five times uh, Bruce gets slapped or punched in the face. I'm going to give uh, – I agree with all the uh, action. 
I wanted just a little bit more story. This was kind of like you said, the you know summer blockbuster big fight. That I I think definitely did need to happen, but I wish there were a couple little extra more story beats uh, put in here. But I, I did enjoy it overall, and I'm going to give this uh, three and a half times that Bruce is uh, slapped or punched in the face. All right, so that takes us over to Detective Comics number twenty-two, and for this one. I thought the last issue of Detective, even though it was a Phyllis story, I thought it was pretty cool, and it's moving in the right direction away from Emperor Penguin and all that stuff. As, as long as it stays far away from that, I think it will be in a good place. And for this issue, I really enjoyed it. It's starting off with a new story arc that I think has the potential to be really cool. As it starts off where uh, it kind of reminded me of a little bit of that Batman the Animated Series episode, POV, where you have these three officers uh, retelling the, an encounter they have with Batman. And that's how it starts with this one. There's these two cops talking to Commissioner Gordon, how they think Batman killed two members of the police department. But, of course, he didn't. But there's another vigilante, or not even a vigilante, just someone who's out there killing cops. I think that's where the main thrust of the story is. This new villain called Wrath is out there just targeting cops. I think that makes a good uh, story point for Batman to have. I mean, for me, anyway, I think one of the worst crimes out there is cop killing and to have that in the Batman story where Batman's going to go against this villain who's out there doing that's going to be really cool to see and I just can't wait to see the encounter the final encounter Batman's going to have with this guy for what he's doing with all these police officers and also too what I really like is the character designs for this new villain the Wrath kind of what I was talking about with Deathstroke he has this cool like helmet or mask that covers his whole face kind of reminds me of something that you see like in a futuristic video game like in Halo or something where they have these different uh, helmets for the Spartans and Master Chief that you get to use in multiplayer. It's kind of something like that is what it reminded me of. He also has some cool armor, too. So this has the potential to be a good villain. And it's tying into a, a subplot that Bruce is, is having where there's this guy called Caldwell who's into technology, like developing this new technology, and he wants to buy Wayne Enterprises. Of course, Bruce doesn't want anything <laughs> a part of that. He's not going to have this guy buy him out, especially when he's in, like, weapons dealings some shady other stuff. But then it gets revealed that the money he gets from the from selling that stuff, he puts it towards good causes. Like, he makes donations to the police, to schools, and to arts programs. Like, he gives it back to the community. So this kind of paints him in a good light, but, of course, Bruce doesn't trust him. I just hope the story doesn't get too predictable where this guy Caldwell ends up being the secret identity of the Wrath who's killing everybody, all these cops. Could that just be a little too predictable? Because we later see, as Batman saves one of the police officers, um, he gets shot by one of this new weapons, uh, this new weapon that this new villain has, but he's protected by this new armor that's from this guy Caldwell's Industries, so he's protected with that. I just hope it's not going to connect where... Uh, he's behind all this in some way, and he's really the bad guy. I just hope uh, John Lehman has something a little more clever up his sleeve how to use his character, and it's not going to turn to an Emperor Penguin all over again. I'm <laughs> um, oh, sorry. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Okay. Um, I was going to say, Batman also had some good interactions with uh, police officers in this one, who actually, because the Wrath doesn't actually have too much action in this. He has a partner that's working with him called Scorn, who he's using to attack the police officers in this issue. But, of course, Batman uh, stops him. He kills two cops, but only injures two others. And then when Batman has him cornered, one of the cops who survives has, like, a gun to his head saying, like, your way doesn't work. I have to kill him. He's killed my partner. He killed some friends of mine. 
like, you may be able to stop the Batman, but I have to finish him off. Like, it was a great interaction because if you remember from Batman 900, or what should have been Detective Comics 900, but it's Detective Comics 19, where they had a bunch of these side stories. There was this one where there's this cop in the hospital, and he's talking to all these other cops who are saying how Batman's bad for the city and how they don't agree with his methods and all that. But the officer who was in the hospital and this other officer, who I believe was his partner, she and him have respected Batman and liked what he was doing. Like, they thought he what he was doing was good and was helping Gotham. So those two characters showed up in this issue, and that's who Batman interacts with. So I thought it was good to have a little bit of continuity there. But um, the issue ends basically with uh, Rath getting rid of his partner, Scorn, for failing to kill uh, the other two officers and for letting Batman live because he doesn't want any witnesses or anything like that. So... The story potential here is good, I think. I like what they're doing, this villain, the main story being against someone who's killing cops and Batman has to stop him. But yet not all the police force trusts Batman. They think this killer actually is Batman. So I like where it's going. I just hope it doesn't go into Emperor Penguin territory again. And probably the only negative I would have with this is the backup, where, again, it's dealing with uh, Mandat and Kirk Langstrom. This is just really predictable because there's these murders that are happening all over Gotham that's being done by a giant bat. But Kirk Langstrom has no memories of it. And at the end, it's revealed, oh, it's actually his wife who's taking the serum, which is pretty much straight out of that Batman the animated series episode, Terror in the Sky, where his wife ends up being mad bad, which is very predictable. It's not interesting. And probably my biggest issue with this issue, which is probably something real small and nitpicking, but <laughs> in the editor's note, you know how they always tell you to refer to a past issue? It says, uh, in one of the footnotes, it says, Go back to our almost sure to be classic Detective Number Nineteen, which I think is one of the worst issues of all of Detective <laughs> Comics in the New Fifty Two. It's like, oh come on, that issue is horrible. You're already trying to make it a classic, uh, so that's probably my only real big complaint about it. So yeah, overall I thought it was really great. I think uh, this has the potential to be something really good. So hopefully John Layman can stick with it because his first issue was uh, the whole Penguin story arc I really liked, and then it just kind of went on too long and became just became a story that you really didn't care about. So hopefully it's not the case with this one. So I'm going to go ahead and give it 4.5 times that Bruce gets slapped in his face. Slapped or hit in the face. Really enjoyed it. Um, I have a question about the Wrath. I have a Batman annual, I think from 19... uh, I wish I would have had it in front of me. 1986, maybe, maybe as old as 84. It's probably 86, 87 where it's a, a Batman and Wrath issue. Is this the same Wrath character from the old DC uh, continuity, same identity? Uh, do you know that at all? I don't know. I mean, they didn't... I wasn't really too familiar with the character, the old character anyway, but I know his costume definitely looks totally different from the old Wrath, because the old Wrath would kind of look like a, this is a knockoff Batman suit, I believe. Yeah. Looks like a purple Batman, yeah. where the the point of the ears actually makes the W that goes across uh, his nose and the uh, lower part of his face. Yeah, so just visually it looks totally different. But like I said, not too familiar with the old one. But uh, it's, it's looking like these are two different characters. I guess we'll see once they reveal his identity, and if it ends, okay. does end up being the same one, it'll just be an updated one for the new Fifty Two. But we'll see. But I know you said you haven't read Detective in a while, uh, Rob, just because of the quality, which I don't blame you on at all. <laughs> this one has my curiosity peaked just because of the wrath. I, I liked the 
that was one of the first comics that I got was the that annual. I remember getting it off a spinner rack at a Seven Eleven when those were still around. And I just remember reading that front to back and thinking, ooh, there's this, you know, evil, weird, purple-looking Batman that uses a gun. So um, out of a nostalgic, I, I, I want to go back and hit Detective again. I think this would be a good jumping-on point for me to do. And uh, just hearing you talk about it really makes me want to, you know, check it out. So Yeah, definitely, I definitely recommend it as a good point to jump onto, besides those slight references to Batman. Or Detective Comics number 19, which was... <laughs> <laughs> That's always one of those things. If you have to tell me something's great, it's probably really not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. So that's it for uh, the comics for July 3rd. Uh, we didn't have a chance to be battling this time, so we're going to be skipping that one. But uh, going on to July 10th, we got Batgirl number 22, Nightwing number 22, and Batman number 22. Where do you want to start with, Rob? Well, let's keep all of the... Um rating systems together, and let's jump into Nightwing. <laughs> nice. <laughs> what did you think of Nightwing? I really liked this one. Um, I think there's... Uh, I've also said Brett Booth. Uh, Kyle Higgins uh, it has a really good voice uh, for Nightwing, and he seems... Uh, he's got a big affinity for uh, the Batman animated series, and you can kind of hear um, some of that type of Nightwing, and he kind of seems the closest now to his old continuity as Nightwing used to be. I'm really enjoying it. And hearing this whole uh, Tony Zuko story uh, story starting in uh, Nightwing, I thought, all right, Nightwing's going to go after, you know, Tony Zuko. He'll finally get some closure on what happened to his parents. And I found out reading this that I really started having some compassion for Tony Zuko that I wasn't expecting uh, to see that in the scene where they're at the pool and his uh, son steals uh, somebody else's boys, not steals, but takes back, you know, an action figure. And he's saying, you know, it's mine. You know, I, I, I want to play with it. And uh, Tony's telling him, no, hey, you have to you have to act like an adult. You know, you need to uh, I forget the word he used. You almost need to pay for what you know what you've done you know there's there's consequences for the things that you do and i thought that was really kind of you know uh, telling of him that that's in the back of his mind that he knows that you know nightwing is out there that this you know hero from gotham city is is looking for him or someone's looking for him and that that uh, thing that happened to Haley circus is still haunting him and and trying to instill some good in his own son um almost kind of like trying to pay it forward uh, to his own son with almost out saying, hey, don't make the same mistakes, you know, I did. You know, stealing an action figure could lead into stealing a candy bar, stealing a candy bar could lead into robbing a grocery store, you know, and all those things that could end up putting his son where he once was. So I I really liked it. And uh, also the uh, prankster, um, basically holding uh, the city of Chicago or the uh, looks like the police force uh, hostage and making the mayor pay back all this money and uh, basically outing uh, the mayor to uh, the city of Chicago saying, well, hey, this guy that you uh, seem to be holding up on this high pedestal is as crooked as they all can be. He's hiring a known uh, murderer or a convict and uh, – 
I'm going to, it's almost like I'm going to continue to destroy and blow up things until uh, the mayor pays for it. And we're going to be watching his bank account and to uh, prove to you I'm going to blow up the uh, rail system. I I think this is moving at a very good pace, and I'm uh, I would just, I wish there were like three or four more pages in this issue. I was just totally engrossed in the story, so I I really really like this. I think Kyle Higgins is doing really good, and I was kind of a little worried with Brett Booth not being on. I thought oh, I wonder who they're going to get, but uh, I think the the art was just as good, if not even better, than what Brett Booth was uh, doing on his just his two issue run before he jumped over to. Uh, JLA, so I, I like this team of uh, Higgins and Conrad. I think they're they're doing really good. So as you could tell, I really like this issue. <laughs> <laughs> really, I didn't get that impression. I thought maybe you might give it a one or something. <laughs> yeah, w- one, one times maybe a few. <laughs> yeah, I've been enjoying this whole new arc with Nightwing in Chicago. But I will say for this issue, I probably didn't like it as much as you did. There were some great moments in here, but I thought up until the end with the prankster, there wasn't too much like interesting stuff going on. Like it was just all leading up to that one big moment where nothing really drastic happened. I will agree. I did like uh, the moment with Tony Zuko and his son or stepson, where he's kind of telling him not to steal and all that. My only concern is is that um, this is not this Tony Zuko acting where he really still is evil at heart, and this is him just putting on this act to fool everybody for some plan that he has. I think it would make for a much better story if he really is this way and he's trying to do good and make up for his past mistakes. And I think it's going to make for a great end encounter that you know is going to happen where Nightwing confronts him and his son and family is right there as Nightwing's doing this. Maybe he's about to kill him or something, but his child's right there and he sees the side of Zuko that he just doesn't expect and it kind of throws his thinking all off. So I think it's all leading up to there. I just can't wait to see what Kyle Higgins does with it. Because like you said, Kyle Higgins does a great job writing Nightwing. And like you mentioned, I love the fact that he's such a big animated series fan, and it definitely shows in his writing, which I love. And like you mentioned, too, with the prankster, he's he's a really a great villain that Kyle Higgins comes up with. I just love the situations and, like, ultimate, ultimatum he puts up against his victims where he gives them a choice of how to save themselves or, in this case, the mayor save the city. I mean, he always leaves – he always has, like, a – not necessarily – I don't want to say, like, a po- – I guess it is kind of like a poetic way to – get themselves out of this, like to make them admit that they're wrong and they're why this is happening to them. It's brought upon themselves because of the evil things that they're doing. In this case, it's the mayor kind of lying to everybody saying he's protecting the city, but like yet he's harboring a fugitive in Tony Zuko and he's doing all this illegal stuff. And so the only, he destroys the train station. Like you mentioned, he's preventing the cops to go out on patrol. He has cops hostages at the end. So he's kind of, doing all these things that the mayor has control of, and all he has to do is kind of, like, donate that money, that, like, illegal money he's gained back to save this situation that the Chicago is going through right now with the destruction that the prankster is causing. So I think as a villain, he's some someone who I'm enjoying really much, all the schemes and plans that he has, putting in the city and different people in peril. It was, like, a crazy way to end the issue where he has all the cops tied up the string with their uh, firearms pointing all against some of these all kind of like you have nothing to worry about you'll live as long as you can stay still and the last panel is this you see all the guns pointing at them and they're all tied up I thought it was a great cliffhanger so to me it wasn't too much interesting stuff going on in the beginning besides that moment with Tony Zuko but then at the end where the prankster comes in and just destroys that train station and 
wreaks his uh, mayhem, I guess, over Chicago is where I really enjoyed it. So overall, I'm going to go ahead and give it three out of five times Bruce gets slapped or hit in the face. <laughs> oh, I love this. Uh, one thing I did want to comment on uh, about the prankster, it kind of reminds me of the scene in the uh, in, in the Dark Knight where I think the Joker's in the interrogation room uh, with Gordon, and he says, you know, you, you killed all those people. He's like, me? I, I, I was here, you know. Yeah, that's true. Where were you? It's almost like the prankster's like, I, I'm not going to kill these guards. I'm not going to do a thing. If they flinch and shoot themselves, they shoot themselves. Or, you know, if the mayor doesn't pay, I, I'm not responsible for what happens. I, I always kind of like that in a villain where it's even a little more evil and twisted that they're not actually committing the crime. They're having the people that they're affecting do it to themselves. So I, yeah. I think that's just why I, one of those reasons why I liked it. So I'm going to give this four out of five times that Bruce Wayne is uh, slapped about the face all silly like. <laughs> yeah, four is definitely a lot of times he gets slapped in the face. <laughs> yeah. After two, you're like, all right, don't do it again. At three and four, you start getting mad. Yeah. <laughs> then you get punched and slapped. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, we'll go into the next issue that has one of those moments in it with uh, Batgirl number 22. And this issue I enjoyed and kind of what I had a complaint about the last issue where it kind of ended in this abrupt way where that came out of nowhere where Barbara forgot she had a date and that's how the issue ends with that guy Ricky showing up at her door. She's all freaked out. Instead of that, just having that section being that one issue and then it's never played on again. I'm glad that Gail Simone kind of continued with that. It wasn't just there in the last issue as a joke or something, but it actually played into the story of kind of Barbara seeing what, uh, Go, what goes on in her head as she's not Batgirl but trying to have a social life but she can't really enjoy it because she still has that guilt of killing James Gordon Jr. Just kind of all the things she's going through right now as Batgirl because that's all the monologue in the sequences is where she's having a good time but yet in her monologue she's saying about all this stuff that she's going through where it's kind of nice to have this but yet in the back of my mind all this crap is going on in my life. But um, the part that I really enjoyed most which I thought made this issue for me is after her date's done, then she gets a call from Gordon to kind of meet meet him at the police station. Then he takes her out in the shooting range, and she's kind of worried. Is she testing me? Is he trying to see if I'm really in Batgirl? Because she has her uh, shoot at a shooting range, and her aim is perfect. She's like right in the head. You see her make all these shots, and she's like, oh, my aim's good. Does he suspect me now? But then Gordon reveals to her that she's doing this because he just wants to make sure she can take care of herself and that the city is taking so much from him. Uh, James Gordon Jr., his wife, and he just wants to make sure Barbara is protected. I just love the moment that Barbara and Gordon had here where they kind of start tearing up and Barbara just gives them a hug and saying, like, you'll never lose me, but in the back of her head she's saying, like, he doesn't know I'm the one who killed James Gordon Jr. How am I going to deal with this? And then she just comes to the conclusion that she's not going to be Batgirl. She can't do this anymore, not with everything that's going on. She can't put her dad through this. But then the other great moment is where Gordon calls Batman. Then this is the first time Batman kind of was able to offer his condolences to Jim about his son. And then I like the line that Gordon had where Bruce says, uh, fathers aren't meant to survive their sons. And he's all, uh, you know what, that sounds kind of weird here when you go all philosophical. Uh, I don't. It doesn't really suit you. <laughs> like, don't say that again. <laughs> that was pretty funny. So it looks like they all have the conversations ending because Gordon tells her, like, 
uh, I'm going to go, where he tells Batman, I'm going to go after uh, Batgirl. He says, I know you always protect your, sol- your soldiers, but I'm going to do what I have to do. I'm going to arrest her and just stay out of it. And he says, he says, there's one last thing you can do for me. And then, bam, that's where Gordon just slugs him right in the face. <laughs> it's like, 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 how can you do that? How can you allow this uh, young girl who only meant to like follow in your footsteps do this? And it's all because you let her and you didn't tell her, no, don't get into this. And then kind of he has a little argument with Batman, and then Batman goes to him says, like, be careful because you're all about justice, Jim, not, not revenge. So be careful the road you walk down for everybody's sake. And then this leaves with Batman and Gordon turning off the symbol. I thought those are two great moments in the issue. And part of me still thinks maybe they're playing it that Gordon doesn't know Barbara's background, but the way he interacted with Batman, it kind of made me suspect, like, that punch was because deep down – he might know that it's Barbara and he's mad at him for doing this. So for me, it's still kind of up in the air if he really knows who Barb, that Barbara is Batgirl. I'm just looking forward to see the next few issues where it looks like uh, Gordon's going to be on the hunt for her, but Barbara's going to not be Batgirl for a while. So definitely intrigued to see where the story goes. So I'm going to give this issue a uh, 3.5 out of times Bruce gets slapped or punched in the face, and in this case by Jim Gordon. Uh, my thoughts are almost going to ring exactly true. Uh, <laughs> um, I really liked this issue, and this was a book I have considered dropping for a while. Um, as much as Gail Simone gets a lot of you know, praise for the type of character she writes, I just don't think she's written Batgirl very well in the new 52. She's been almost as emo as uh, Batman has been in certain books that um, I want that lighter, bright uh, side to Barbara Gordon, and we really kind of got that in this issue where she's out on a date. Even when she you know, gets back in the uh, apartment, she says her legs are still dancing. You know, yeah. <laughs> it, that it was kind of like that, that bubbly Babs that you know, used to be written when she was – a Batgirl, or even when she was Oracle at times, just that really, you know, optimistic, even though that the underlining current of what she, you know, did to James Gordon Jr. is still there. Um, so I, I really like that, that even though the, the underlining thing was still there, you got to kind of see Barbara be Barbara and have, you know, a an interaction with somebody else and get to be kind of normal for a little bit. And she, you know, is kind of anxious for that kiss, so she initiates it, you know, and, um, but the, uh, right where you said where, uh, she's going to the shooting range with her dad, I thought, well, this is kind of a, an odd turn, uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> like, uh, what's going on? And then I'm reading her thought, uh, balloons, like, she's wondering what's going on. I'm like, wow, if the character doesn't know, I sure as heck don't know. And, uh, with the scene on top of the GCPD, um, I almost got the same feeling. Well, does he know? Because the, even the way it's drawn, it looks like he is very upset, almost as if he is saying, you know, my daughter looked up to you. Why did you have her go out there and do this? You could have told her no. And just that line, I'm trying to flip through it here, um, you know, because you didn't tell her no is – that easily could have been in. You didn't tell Barbara no. Um, so, yeah, I'm the same way as you. Does he know? Does he not know? Um, it 
at a point where I thought, okay, I'm an issue 22 of it's been okay. This made me go, okay, Gail, I'm on for issue 23. I'm on for issue 24. So I'm really curious to see where this is going to go. And uh, I'm going to give this uh, three and a half out of five times that uh, Jim Gordon just sucker punched Batman right in the jaw. (laughs) Yeah, I only have one worry that I really hope it doesn't go down, that it ends up James Gordon Jr. is alive, and then this makes this whole uh, story arc pointless, because I really like how this kind of putting this wedge in between Barbara and uh, Gordon's relationship, so... But I hope it doesn't have a cop-out ending. Oh, I'm still alive, and I'm still evil, so I'm the one you two are going to have to stop still. Just, I would just hate it if it ended that way. I have a very sneaky suspicion that it, it is, in fact, going to go that way. And I think with the Forever Evil story coming out oh, uh, no. soon, I, I, I'm going to go on record right now and say that James Gordon Jr. is still alive. I hope it doesn't go that way, but I think that's going to be that uh, Gordon and Batgirl are going to have their, I guess you can call it confrontation, and then surprise, guess who shows up? Uh, that so makes James Gordon. perfect sense, and uh, <laughs> now I'm really worried about that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you can be mad at me and what, probably another two issues? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know who to blame when I'm upset when I read that. Rob! <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so that takes us into the big one, Batman number 22. And I'm just going to say it right now. I absolutely love this issue. <laughs> I uh, thought it was phenomenal what uh, Snyder did in certain moments in here. I mean, it starts off with a really cool action sequence with the Red Hood gang uh, robbing this blimp that's from uh, the Penguin. And you'd think he uh, has the Penguin held hostage, but we find out that it's actually Bruce undercover. It was like, totally took me by surprise. But, oh, that's cool because Batman or Bruce still doesn't know kind of how to go about being this vigilante yet. I mean, he's... So far in these two issues, we've seen him just in disguises with rubber masks and all that. So I just love kind of – we've still seen Bruce not sure how to go about this. And even as he's leaving the blimp, he's all, this isn't working. Like, what do I have to do? <laughs> but then my favorite moment, which I just loved, is this confrontation – or not confrontation, but this interaction he had with Alfred. Remember in our last episode, we were talking about our favorite non-hero characters, and me and Dane were kind of saying the Bruce and Alfred relationship – uh, we really haven't had too many great moments between them in the comics. A lot of the stuff we think of is from the Nolan movies or the animated series. But in this issue, we finally get one of those great moments. I mean, Bruce is talking to Alfred, and he knows something's wrong with Alfred, where he's not agreeing what he's doing. He's all like, just say it. I just love, Snyder did a great job with the dialogue in this issue. He's all, just stop being so polite, just come out and say it. <laughs> like, I know you're upset, just say it. Alfred's all, I just take issue with your cowardice. And then Batman's kind of like, or Bruce struggles up, like, how can you say that? I'm out there putting my life on the line every night trying to save this city to protect it, the city that my parents love. And then Alfred's whole point is, yeah, you're doing that, but not as Bruce Wayne. There's stuff going on in Wayne Industries that you should be taking care of now. Like, this, these weapons are being from Wayne Industries, and you're not doing a thing about it as Bruce. Like, your parents would be the shame, quite frankly. It kind of reminded me a little bit of some of the stuff from Dark Knight Rises where Alfred's trying to tell him, instead of going back as Batman, use your talents as Bruce Wayne to do good for the city, which is kind of Alfred's point here. But then once uh, Bruce hears that line where he says he thinks his parents will be ashamed, Bruce Bruce just grabs him by the ties. And he's, I just love the line. He's like, is that right? And what about you, Mr. Pennyworth? What example have you set? 
All you did, like, you just live in this mausoleum, polishing silver. What could have you done in the world? Like, who's the real coward here? Then Bruce, or Alfred just slaps Bruce right in the face. Then there's that panel where it just shows both of their eyes, like, in shock. You know, this is a great moment that both of them had. It's like, stuff that's just going to make their relationship grow even further. Like, the trust that they're going to have after this argument, I think, is just going to make it even better. And the end sequence, too, going on more great dialogue for Snyder. Uh, Alfred says he's going to go back to the manor. And as he's walking away, because uh, the whole point of the scene is Bruce is testing this uh, hook shot against the wall using voice commands. He keeps saying things like, hook, come back, hook, come back, but it's not working. So Alf- as Alfred's walking out, he just overhears Bruce say, come back. Then as he turns around, kind of like a hopeful look in his eye, Bruce just looks at him and says, I was talking to the hook. And he, Alfred just walks out the door, and then Bruce pulls the hook and just tears down that brick wall. I just love that moment. This great, powerful stuff and interaction between them, too. I just thought Snyder did a great job. Something we haven't seen between the two characters in a long time in the comics. So I just really love that sequence. But then we get Bruce going to meet his Uncle Philip, who kind of tricks him into coming to a welcome back party for him at a museum to welcome him back at Wayne Enterprises. But Bruce has not, doesn't want anything to do with that. But then we get to the probably my next favorite moment for the comic, which was his encounter with Enigma for the first time. I just thought they had great interaction, too. I mean, this is the first time Riddler's testing Batman, yet he doesn't know it yet, was a riddle, because Bruce asked how to get out of here. Then he's all, uh, it's up ahead through the aviary wing. Then they had this big old dialogue conversation, which I thought was a really cool panel that uh, Greg Capullo did. It was this image of, uh, supposed to be, I forget what it's called, there's a term for it, but it's like a snake. It's, it's a circle, but it's in the shape of a snake that's kind of like, close to like eating itself or something like that. And that's, there's these dialogue boxes that are in there, and then you see uh, the faces of Nygma and Bruce as they're saying this dialogue, all in this uh, shape of this uh, circled snake. So I just thought it was a really cool panel. And then the way Bruce figures out uh, Nygma's riddle, I thought was pretty cool. And then he's all saying, you have to try harder next time, Nygma. And then Edward kind of gives him the nod, like, oh, so, like, he is like, kind of better than I gave him credit for. So <laughs> he says, uh, there's definitely going to be – uh, no, he actually says too bad there's not going to be a next time because I think he's uh, Philip's going to kill him or he wants him to be dead. So I just love the first meeting between Batman and the Riddler. I thought Snyder did a great job with them two meeting for the first time. And then it ends with uh, Bruce going back. Uh, it's like exactly where to an uh, apartment building or something, but as he gets pulls out of his car or a cab, as the driver ends up being the Red Hood gang leader, and as Bruce enters into this room, it blows up, and that's where the issue ends. If I had one small complaint, I guess it would be, we kind of seen this ending with Snyder before, where Batman's in a building that gets blown up, and of course you know he's not dead, so <laughs> I think it's kind of, needs a different way to end an issue than just that. But yeah, overall, this issue was phenomenal. And then the backup, too. I always love seeing different aspects of Bruce's training, and then we get a great one with him kind of developing different ways to utilize the technology that he has. So, And it kind of tied into how we figured out uh, Nygma's riddle with the Sphinx. So all in all, this is just a great issue. I just love what Snyder's doing so far. Even though we're only two issues into Zero, zero Year, I'm still thinking it's great so far. I mean, we got a long way to go until it ends, but if all of them are even half as good as this issue, I think we're going to be in for something special. So, yeah, definitely five out of five times Bruce gets slapped in the face by Alfred in this one. Loved it. Well, I've got nothing to say. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, I, I, 
you hit the nail right on the head as far as me. Uh, the word was Orbos. I was flipping through it. Hope I wasn't okay. making too much noise of the, you know, the snake that's yeah. uh, eating itself. Um, I loved that. I When I first flipped to that page, I thought, oh, you know, Capullo did it again. I'm going to have to read this around in a circle. <laughs> so I I was minorly disappointed I didn't have to flip the comic book upside down. But um, I did like it that, you know, I was having to, you know, almost turn my head in a circle. And, you know, I, again, I would have my wife looking over me. She's like, what are you doing? I'm like reading. She's like, oh, I got gotcha. you. <laughs> she, she doesn't ask anymore. Is it a comic? Yeah, of course it is. <laughs> so just the beats that he's hitting in here, uh, the dialogue is great. Like you said, we're uh, two issues into it, and we're going to be doing, what, 11 or 12 yep. of these for zero year. So I'm just uh, – I'm chomping at the bit for 23. Yeah. <laughs> you know, seeing seeing where he's going to go and, and – no, wanting to see that inevitable moment of when he becomes Batman or, you know, are there going to be different variations kind of like in Batman begins where, you know, different types of suits and things like that. Um, I really like when the backups really play, the backup is doing exactly what it's supposed to do. It's playing in and tying into the, to the main story. Uh, Detective comics will have a backup sometimes that has really nothing to do with the main story at all. Yeah, case and, in point number 22, <laughs> yeah, which I just said. <laughs> very good. Uh, and this was great that, you know, it's like, have you ever seen the Sphinx before? And he's like, oh, yeah, you know, kind of half dismissed it. And then it was like, oh, I was thinking like, oh, I wonder if we're ever going to hear about that. And then, you know, sure enough, four or five pages later, we're, you know, you know, reading that where you get the reveal that it looks like he was buried underneath the in between the paws of the Sphinx and, you know, uh, I'm trying to look and see what the last line of the backup was, but I just remember being a really clever line. Um, uh, bear with me because I, I want to be able to see it. Oh, yeah. Uh, when you can wield the impossible, you can create wonders, and the Sphinx being one of the seven wonders of the world. Yeah, um, that was cool. I just I thought that was great. Um, yeah. Yeah, without just repeating everything that you just said, I think this is just, it's great. I just love, I like the moments. I like the uh, surprise party and getting to see, you know, Vicky Vale in there. That's that right, yeah. His uncle is like, well, hey, surprise, you know, basically outed himself to the world that Bruce Wayne is alive and Bruce still doesn't want to claim, you know, his birthright, which is, I guess another slap in the face that Bruce is, I guess in this case, giving rather than receiving, um, that he's not wanting to claim his name and the very thing that he's trying to protect that these Wayne, uh, weapons are getting out there that, you know, if he would just step up and, you know, claim the mantle of Wayne, <laughs> that he could be affecting a, a great change. So I, I'm going to be kind of curious to see when, you know, he does say, you know, we're not doing this anymore. You know, I, I'm back fully as Bruce Wayne. So I, Snyder's just doing a great job. Um, I think a lot of people were concerned for zero year, like, really, we're going to spend, you know, a year out of current continuity. And I think part of that will have to play into the whole Robin thing that's going on. Uh, so by the time a year has elapsed, we'll get a new origin story uh, for Batman, and then we can pick right up 
with whomever a possible new Robin possibly could be. But uh, as I'm reading this, I'm not even really thinking about what's kind of currently going on because I'm just so engrossed in this book. So uh, five out of five for me for times that Bruce Wayne has slapped a Monks, the face, the nose, the eyes, the ears <laughs> from Alfred. So a very good book. Yeah, one thing I just thought of right now, because we know in, I think it was Batman number five, where there's that great intro to where uh, the bat that flies in that we see in year one before what makes Batman or Bruce ring the bell. But then we see that bat fly out and get taken out by an owl. So we know that's still in continuity in the new 52. Now I'm curious to see what's going to, lead Bruce to that point? Is it going to be the same as year one, or are we going to see something different which leads him to that in zero year? I don't know why it just popped in my head right now, but now that's something I make just to see if Snyder's going to go there. Yeah, I, I was trying to think if this is something I'm just thinking of, or if I had read it, that that he wasn't going to try and draw any comparisons from year one, that the, that the iconic things that made Batman, Batman are still going to be there, but he wasn't going to try and, you know, pull things from Frank Miller to tie into his story. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I, I'm curious what the thing is that pushes Bruce to be uh, Batman. I mean, we see in the last page the nice black and white shot of a young Bruce Wayne down in the, you know, the pit, which I think that's how this issue starts out as well uh, with, uh, no, that's actually the Red Hood gang. Yeah, it is with him uh, being down in the hole, uh, but that nice uh, shot with all the bats kind of you know fading into the rest of the uh, black uh, background that's matting the rest of the picture. So yeah, I'm just I'm really surprised. I think a lot of people are as maybe apprehensive as they were about this. These two issues, he's really uh, laying down the foundation of I think of a very good story. I, I just hope that uh, he finishes strong all the way through to his 11th issue. So uh, very good. Yeah. Hopefully uh, his brother won't pop up as the last issue. <laughs> yeah. And, but we, yeah, we still don't know if he's his brother or not. <laughs> it, with you mentioning Court of Owls, it would be nice to kind of see maybe an owl pop in somewhere that's kind of off to the side, maybe a, as an Easter egg or yeah. that type of thing. So Like kind of getting prepared, oh, this, there's this new guy running around Gotham trying to be a hero or whatever. Like we better keep our eye on him or something. Yeah, I think that would be nice to, you know, complete the whole entire circle. So Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, that's it for the comics, but this is actually a pretty good two weeks of comics. There wasn't really a horrible issue out of all of these ones. That we no. Covered. And uh, Batgirl is one that I typically read uh, last. I'll, I'll read Batman first. And uh, the Batgirl book was actually the last book that I read, uh, or it was actually, excuse me, the first book that I read. I thought, oh, I'll just get it out of the way, and I was just pleasantly surprised. So, yeah, all the books that uh, were for these, you know, two weeks were just, were really good. Yeah, and actually, I forgot to mention this in my review for Detective Comics, but another cool sequence in that issue is that we actually got to see the Tumblr in action in the comics, which I believe for the first time, in an actual, like, main continuity of Batman. Really? Yeah, usually we just see it, you know, like parked in the bat cave, like in the distance or something. But this time Bruce actually took it out to the streets, and you see it like uh, slide down the streets of Gotham. And it was wasn't in there too long, but you definitely see it out there in action, which is pretty cool. Well, we're supposed to go to Toledo uh, 
<laughs> uh, tomorrow. And I said, well, maybe I'd go to a comic book shop. And now I'm going to because I need to pick up the <laughs> tablet <laughs> just to see the Tumblr. Yeah. And, uh, so uh, you've sold me on it. <laughs> well, hopefully it won't be something you'll regret, but the issues get worse and worse. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. All right, so that's pretty much going to do it for this episode. Uh, I think we got everything covered. So thanks for listening, and as always, you can check us out on our host site, the Batman Universe at thebatmanuniverse.net. You can follow them at Facebook at facebook.com slash thebatmanuniverse and on Twitter at batmanuniverse. And if you want, you can uh, follow each of us here on the Batfans podcast on Twitter. Um, Rob's at drummerrob10. Terrence is at iod1974. Dane is probably the best Twitter handle ever. Dane says banana. <laughs> and uh, I'm at TimG311. And also you can find our podcasts and all the other Batman Universe podcasts on iTunes where you can rate and review them. And if uh, you give us a review, good or bad, it's much appreciated. We always like to hear feedback from what you guys think of the show. And again, you can also send us an email at batfans27 at gmail.com. Topic about anything, pretty much. We just love to hear from uh, the listeners about anything Batman or not Batman related would be cool. So with that, that's going to do it. Uh, Thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll see you next time. See, everybody, and these slaps in the face are making me thirsty. (laughs) Wow, that's the perfect way to end a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what would make you more thirsty pretzel you slap in the face? <laughs> uh, maybe eating pretzels while you slap in the face. <laughs> and you're spinning it out after you